Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben, and today I want to discuss... The best rookies in NBA history. And actually, I want to talk about Luka Doncic and where he fits among the best rookies in NBA history. And if we're going to talk about Luka Doncic and great rookies, we have to talk about Jaron Jackson as well, his, at least as of right now, main competition for Rookie of the Year. Both of those guys only 19 years old and having great years, but where do they fit? among the all-time first-year campaigns. That's going to be the topic of the pod today. And I think I might as well rattle off my, or count down my top 10 rookie seasons in NBA history. So we'll do that. First, some quick backstory and and credit where credit is due. Coach Nick over a friend of the show and runs the b-ball breakdown channel the immensely popular b-ball breakdown channel i think he's over half a million subscribers on youtube now i think he's been doing that since before youtube existed it's like 17 years uh at least i remember watching him on youtube way back in the day like lakers celtics finals clips um so of course uh he's well known i think most of you guys probably know him and his video this week was about Luka Doncic possibly having the best rookie season in NBA history. Uh, we had a brief exchange about it over Twitter. I, I think Luka is having one of the best 19-year-old seasons ever. For a player that young, he is really one of the better we've ever seen. I, I think the most recent guy of that age that comes to mind. Yeah, we had someone like Jason Tatum last year and players like that. But the young phenom who was really hyped, had a particular pedigree or spotlight on him, and came in at a really young age. I mean, the last guy to really do it at this level, I think, was LeBron in 2004. Was still 18 when he came into the league. But certainly a a worthy guy to discuss and thrust into that spotlight. But but that doesn't necessarily mean that Luka is having the greatest rookie season in NBA history. And so, uh, one, as just a spoiler, because we'll put what Luka is doing in context, um, or into context in just a second, but as a spoiler, not only do I not think he's having the best rookie season in NBA history, I don't really think you can make a reasonable case that he's having a top 10 rookie season in NBA history. If you look at it in terms of impact on the game or where this impact would translate, um, the, the typical kind of measures of value, uh, goodness and value. I think if you look at it in terms of skill or potential, 
which is sometimes the trap with rookies, right? You say, this guy has vision and the vision's going to keep getting better. You say, this guy's 19 and he's got a pure stroke. So even though he's shooting well from three, you know, what if he becomes like an all-time level shooter? I think those are all fair things to discuss, but it's slightly different from saying this guy's having the best rookie season or I would take this rookie on my team to help me win over any number uh, of other rookie campaigns. So that's the idea behind the show today. And to start with, let's just piggyback on that shooting concept that I was just talking about. Luca is shooting 38% from three as of recording this. He's shooting 79% from the line. He has a beautiful stroke. He also has an, an, like an instinct, an intuition about the game that seems very rare. He uses this intuition on defense to remain a passable defender despite lacking foot speed, despite lacking verticality, despite he's not particularly strong right now. He's not weak, but he doesn't have any of those physical attributes that we associate with good defense. And yet, if you haven't been paying attention or watching closely, he has been a perfectly passable defender. The defensive impact metrics that we can look at, things like PIPM, um, adjusted plus minus or whatnot, like he he looks like a per- perfectly passable defender. And the eye test echoes that, uh, where he's jumping plays or using that instinct or anticipation to break up passes, get steals, get there in early help. These are things that were highlighted on that aforementioned video by Coach Nick over at B-Ball Breakdown. So, passable defense. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, he has a tremendous feel for craftiness, for little little fakes, angles, up and unders. And of course, as the highlights um, overwhelm Twitter, boy, you send out anything about Luka Doncic on Twitter and it's got, I don't know where it's coming from. Is it Russian bots? It'll have a thousand retweets all of a sudden. So he has stormed the Twitterverse uh, and has an ability to find lobs, find little angles, find these great passes. And the result is tremendously exciting. But as I said, there's a difference between potential and current value. There's a difference between aesthetic and flair and excitement and the actual impact of those plays. They're all, they're all great positive impact plays, but his overall game is not at the superstar level right now. I think it's easy to see how he can become a star offensive player. I don't think he's particularly far from being a star offensive player. But when we look at the best rookies of all time, you're going up against guys who are star offensive players, and more importantly, as we'll, we'll get to in a little bit, you're going up against guys who are sometimes elite defensive players. And I think I, think I hear Jaron Jackson's music. Jaron Jackson looks fantastic as a defensive player. And so let me just pause right here to say that we have metrics, I alluded to them a second ago, PIPM, what is that? That's a player impact plus minus. It's one of the better metrics we have on the market in the public space. 
created by uh, Jacob Goldstein over at Nylon Calculus, the Nylon Calculus whiz kid. And that is a stat that combines plus minus information with block box score information, controls for some team effects, controls for what he calls luck. And the result is a metric that tests out very well in terms of capturing, I think it captures value better than it captures goodness. But it does a really nice job in smaller samples, and since we're only 25 games into the season, you'll hear me reference that. Another metric which isn't in the public sphere is my version of box plus minus. Maybe we'll give it a name uh, that's not box plus minus in the future, but to be transparent, it just simply is the concept of a box plus minus made famous by the, the legendary Daniel Myers. His is up at Basketball Reference and kind of viewed as the official box plus minus. Um, but the idea behind my box plus minus is a metric that is more team independent. The goal was really to come up with something that measures good, or I should say, that prioritizes goodness over conditional value. They're hard to separate. If you've heard some of my previous episodes on analytics or read any of my work about this, you know that there is a distinction or a difference between the conditional value of a player in a setting. That is to say, Tyson Chandler joins the Lakers and he helps a lot, not because Tyson Chandler is an awesome player anymore, but because the Lakers literally only had one big man. So for the 20, 25 minutes a night, JaVale McGee had gone to the bench at the beginning of this season. They just had no big man. So that's conditional value. The the flip side of that extreme is, I love this example, you have a team of David Robinsons and you give them David Robinson. It does nothing. They already have all the David Robinsons they need. They already are maxed out at playing Twin Towers and protecting the rim and all that. They They need something else to provide conditional value, but that doesn't change how good David Robinson is at basketball. So you have goodness and you have conditional value. I think PIPM leans more toward the conditional value side based on the metric testing I've done. Uh, my version of box plus minus is something that leans more heavily toward goodness. It's less impacted by the teammates by design, less impacted by the teammates you have. And then we'll also look at uh, the basketball reference box plus minus. So those are some of the stats we can use. We can also, we, we could use stuff like RPM and things like that, but they don't go back far enough for the rest of the discussion. Okay, so let's start with Luca. Where does he rank among the all-time great rookie seasons in NBA history? And just for the record, I'm not going to count, um, you know, guys who came in from the merger or anything like that. You have to actually be a rookie. And yes, Ben Simmons gets to be a rookie every year. So we'll use any Ben Simmons year to qualify for this list. Let's first look at the statistical profile. Right now, as of recording this, Doncic is about 20 points per 75 possessions. I'm just going to call that scoring rate today. So he's at about 20 per 75, and his relative true shooting percentage, that is his efficiency, compared to the league environment, because he's playing in a different league environment than 15 years ago when LeBron James came into the league. It is right around league average. It's plus, let's call it plus one, 1%. He's 1% better. 
That means that if the league scores 108 points on average every 100 attempts, he gets 110. Okay. What about his passing? Uh, his passer rating is about a five, which is pretty solid for a rookie, but I think it's lower than people might expect given his highlight reel. Again, if you have only seen highlight clips of him floating around Twitter or the internet, this is a guy with great vision. But the difference between potential and what's actually happening happening holistically on the court is different. And there are still elements of the game that I think limit him in that area that uh, in time that number will go up. You don't have to view the passer rating metric as a be-all, end-all. In fact, when we get to Larry Bird, we'll talk about how it uh, underrates him. But still, you have a very good passer. But this is we are not talking about a guy who is slicing up defenses with his passing. His creation rates are solid in box creation. He's about six and a half shots created for his teammates every hundred possessions. And he's carrying a solid load. His load is one of the higher loads among prominent rookies in NBA history. And a lot of that is Dallas really giving him the keys and sort of uh, demarcating Dennis Smith Jr., if you will, or moving him off ball. I think that was a wise decision. Uh, But Luka is kind of uh, playing that primary initiator, doing a good job. And I think another thing to watch is, will he continue to crescendo upward given this role as the season goes on? If, if you miss the first couple weeks of the Mavs, uh, he was playing a little bit off ball more. That's just anecdotal. Someone can dive into the numbers and, and either correct me on that or uh, reinforce it. But conceptually, he was not sort of running the ship as he is now. So all of these numbers that I'm about to tell you may indeed go up, but again, we can only judge based on what the guy has done so far. Okay, so what do the overall value metrics say about the worth of that profile? Um, Well, my box plus minus, again, which is more goodness-based, has him about plus one. That's nothing wrong with that. That's going to be like a top 50 or top 100 rookie season, but it's certainly not jumping off the page. It's not all league. It's not uh, a driving force on a contender. It's not an MVP level player. And there have been a handful of prominent rookies in NBA history who are exactly that. Again, you have a guy who looks like a great 19-year-old, a player with tremendous promise, but not a guy that belongs in the conversation with the all-time rookies. What about uh, basketball references Box plus minus. Same story. He's plus 0.6 as of recording this. And in PIPM, he's plus 0.2. These stats, incidentally enough, have him uh, fairly, you know, as I said, fairly neutral uh, on defense, sometimes maybe a a slight negative on defense uh, and a slight positive on offense. And these things could improve and change, but there's really nothing looking at the profile that puts him in the discussion for the guys we're about to get to. Now, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a much more interesting case. Jaron Jackson Jr., first let's just go back to the the profile um, as a player. Jaron Jackson Jr., scoring rate is just about the same as Luka Doncic. In fact, it's slightly ahead, scores slightly more frequently. He's 20.2 points per 75. Yeah, boy, I said I wasn't going to say points per 75, and I've said it like three times since then. 
Uh, his scoring rate slightly higher than Luca's. His efficiency uh, a good level above, plus four point four percent relative to the league, and that's a really good rookie profile. And, and I think it kind of sneaks under the radar because he'll take some threes here and there. He'll get some stuff on offensive putbacks, or uh, someone will set him up for a bucket. Um, he he will have a little move slithering into the lane, but you you don't think of him as a prolific scorer yet. I believe his his per game scoring average is like 13, uh, yet he has been very effective as a scorer and could be a sign that he could grow into something more. That's, that's a discussion for another day. But what about his impact? Uh, what these stats are saying is you are looking at a guy who is potentially an elite defender in the league already. Now, as I said, he has fouling problems. He's only 19. There are things that he needs to work on. But between the instinct, the seven foot five wingspan, I mean, I should mention the most obvious thing about his defense is how versatile it looks. He's out here constantly switched into different situations. He's guarding players of different types. And he almost looks the best to me starting on guys out at the three point line. Like, this is not a guy you want to get switched onto in this mismatch hunting pick and roll game because he uses his length. He contests well, but he also has an an innate understanding of how to position himself. So if you want to get to the mid range or try to drive, he's just going to hover on you. He's, he's, he's like a blanket. So what do the stats say in my box plus minus? He is plus 3.4 driven by this sort of efficient outside shooting semi-spacing crafty offensive player and a good defensive player already at 19 years old as one of the higher box plus minuses in my metric in my database among rookies Uh, over on basketball reference if you use Daniel's original metric he's plus 2.4 Okay, so among the great rookie seasons ever, where is a scoring rate of 20 fall? Like, are Luka and JJ lighting it up? Uh, Are they lagging behind? The answer is, there's only a handful of prominent rookie seasons who have eclipsed that number. Michael Jordan, the most prolific scorer in NBA history, he as a rookie averaged uh, 26.6 per 75 possessions, and David Robinson, 24-3, and Wilt, about 22 per 75 possessions. It's a bit tricky, as I as I mentioned in the Top Scorers podcast, the, uh, the conversion between scoring rate back then and now isn't exactly one-to-one, just because if you're a big and you played fast or things like that, it's, it's not a perfect map. But you get an idea that Wilt and Robinson and Jordan were... And Shaq. Shaq was 23 per 75 as a rookie. And all of these guys were far better in terms of efficiency than Doncic. Um, Jackson's efficiency is very good. But Doncic, the only other prominent rookies on my board with scoring efficiencies right around average were Bill Russell, who we're not really going to talk about his offense in this conversation, and Larry Bird. Bird was a very similar 
profile, uh, 21 per 75, almost an identical efficiency relative to the league. His passer rating, 5.5 as a rookie. Now, Bird peaked at an 8, and even that might be underselling him slightly because you have to, uh, this summer I, I tweeted out a series of passing profiles looking at the data and saying, what can you infer in terms of on-ball reads and off-ball extra passing, if you will? And I think it underrates Bird's ability to... He was one of the great extra passers in NBA history, but when you have the ball a lot, and he's a plenty good on-ball passer, but when you have the ball a lot, I think it understates his sort of uh, dynamic passing, if you will. And I think it's the same thing with Luka. Luka's passer rating is probably going to uh, rise quite a bit in his career, much like Bird's. But similar profiles there, they have the exact same offensive load. Um, Their creation rates are very similar, although for Bird to be creating like that back in 1980, the game was different. The three-point shot had come in. Spacing was different. So Bird's creation relative to the league was near the top of the league. Luka's creation this year is not in the top. 10 or 15 or 20 or really anywhere near the guys now are double uh, these rates easily the James Harden Russell Westbrook LeBron offensive engine type um, those guys create far more than what Luca's doing and some of that is because Luca doesn't have the all-around scoring threat to break defenses down like an elite offensive player And, and of course the the temptation there is to say yet, right? We, we think that's coming. But again, just because you think that's coming doesn't mean it's happening right now. He's got some crafty little floaters. He occasionally uses his size to get buckets. And he's got that step back. But there have been other instances where uh, he doesn't take someone off the dribble or he can't get a clear look. And that reverberates through the rest of the game. Defenses understand that. They react to you differently. And again, well, he's a good passer, probably headed to be a great passer. Well, he is a solid creator for a rookie, probably going to ramp that up. Right now, he doesn't have the game to absolutely slice up the defense and make himself a star offensive player. A lot of these guys that we're going to discuss were not only competent to very good on offense, but they were very good on defense. Uh, Bird, for example, as a rookie and in his earlier years, one of the best defensive rebounding forwards you'll ever see. Um, If you think Doncic has anticipation and skills that help him out reading lanes or or help defense or things like that, you should see Bird as a rookie with his motor dialed up to 11. Uh, he He was really, really good in that area and that kind of Team defense, help, anticipation, steals, block stuff around the rim, grabbing boards, super physicality. Uh, That got him a bunch of all-defensive nods early in the 1980s. One more thing on Jaron Jackson. You may be thinking, wow, that that number you just told me, uh, plus 3.4 in your box plus minus, that seems pretty huge. It is. It is. There's only one rookie who's ever had a plus three or better, who really, you know, wasn't a star. And he, and this was Brevin Knight, 
And Brevin Knight was a four-year college player who had his best season, by all accounts, as a rookie. And that's not to say that I think Brevin Knight was an all-star uh, as a rookie. I actually spent a good amount of time panning Brevin Knight as a rookie, but he led the league in steal percentage. He was a pesky defender. He played on a solid team. He played a lot of minutes. Uh, he had a good assist-to-turnover ratio, et cetera, et cetera. He did well in every metric. But basically every other player over the years who has put up a big rookie number, let, let me let me rattle off some of the names uh, who are in this vicinity. Uh, Alvin Adams, Manu Ginobili, Oscar Robertson, Chris Paul, Chris Weber, Tim Duncan, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry Lucas, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ben Simmons, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, David Robinson, Michael Jordan. That's it. That's the list. So that's the that's that stat thinks Jaron Jackson is really good at basketball. Uh, what about guys who, again, were in a similar scoring range but maybe more efficient uh, or providing other stuff on offense? So Oscar Robertson... His rookie season, same scoring rate, plus nine scoring efficiency. And not only that, but he had a passer rating of six, which I can't remember off the top of my head was either first in the league or right at the top of the league because, again, the environment was different back then. Spacing was uh, considerably more cramped. It was harder to find these angles, and that was a top-shelf passer rating. It was hard to just constantly be finding lobs and layups and back doors and wide open threes some of those things didn't exist so with Oscar you had a highly efficient offensive weapon who was uh, creating uh, better than basically anyone in the league passing better than basically anyone in the league um, his exact number 20 points per 75 plus 8.6 percent efficiency uh, what about Tim Duncan, another guy, 22 and plus five. So these, these are far better profiles, if you will, just on offense than Luka Doncic. Magic is another guy. Uh, Magic was a very unique rookie. Uh, I think he, as I've said before, talking about him with Nate Duncan on his pad podcast about my greatest players of all time series, he was a different player in 1980 than he was in 1983 or 1984 when he really started to come into his own and become the super-duper offensive star that we think of today. He was more of a Swiss Army type guy uh, back in his first couple years. He had the passing instinct. He had all that stuff, but the jumper wasn't there. The complete game wasn't there. And, and Magic gets a boost historically because of Game 6, but Game 6 is really his... Brandon Jennings game. Game six of the 1980 NBA Finals, Magic plays one of the better games he played in his entire career. He just, everything was dialed in that night. He was incredible. Philadelphia was not ready for what hit them. It was a confluence of events that made him look better than he was. You can't take a guy's best game and then think that's how he played all the time. In fact, in the game before, uh, game five, he, I believe he set the, he did at the time, he set the record for turnovers in a finals game. I think he had 10 turnovers in that game. Again, someone can fact check that. That's off the, the top of my head. Uh, it's not like I have an internet here and I could look it up, but it's way more fun 
if you guys <laughs> can correct me. So um, anyway, so you've you've now started to get a, an idea of the handful of guys who are just on another level um, relative to Luca and uh, JJJ on offense. Although Jackson's offense is is uh, I think a step below Luca because he lacks the passing, he lacks the creation and so on and so forth, but he has been sneaky efficient at putting up points and scoring in a, in a variety of different ways. He had that huge game, but much like Bill Russell on this list and a handful of other bigs, it's the ability to come in as a rookie and defend that puts him in the rookie of the year discussion. And and before I do the top 10 rookie seasons uh, in history, which I'm going to do right now, just Let's, let's just say it again to be clear. Jaron Jackson Jr. has a better advanced stat profile than Luka Doncic right now. Even in ESPN's RPM, real plus minus, Jackson is plus 0.7, so about plus one, and Luka, much like his PIPM number, is uh, dead neutral. He's basically zero, and those stats think Luka is a slight positive on offense, and a slight negative on defense. I would say that largely aligns with my eye test. Jackson, on the other hand, a slight negative on offense and a, a really good defensive player. This is a player as a rookie who should garner all defensive uh, consideration based on how he's playing. I don't know if he'll get there. I don't know what the last you know 50 games of the season look like, but this is the kind of player we're talking about on the defensive side of the ball. He's he's close to sort of an all-star or sub-all-star type guy that you see on offense. To use RPM specifically, his defensive RPM is 1.6. Bradley Beal in Washington has an offensive RPM of 1.9, similar overall value. Do you like to ramp up the intensity of whatever you're watching, listen to things at a fever pitch, Well, now you can max out your decibel level with the brand new Stephen A app and browser plugin. That's right. Either hook it up to your smart TV or put it in Chrome, Safari, compatible with any current updated browser. Turn that Stephen A app on and everything becomes yelling. Everything. That's right. The Stephen A app, it will turn the volume up to a new level. It will make the viewing experience unlike anything you've ever seen. And just when you think, it can't get powerful enough. You have the moments of silence. Of intensity. Follow my more yelling. That's right. The Stephen A app. Get it in the app store today. The The other thing that came up, not just uh, where Doncic stood among the all-time rookie seasons, but Michael Jordan. A lot of people seem to assume that Michael Jordan... Uh, had the best, or if not the best, one of the best rookie seasons in NBA history. And I, if you've read my all-time player series, you may have been able to infer this. I I reject that outright. Uh, It's not a crazy idea in the sense that he was one of the better rookies of all time. It's not a crazy idea if you value potential. It's not a crazy idea if you give him credit that I don't think I can reasonably give him, meaning... He had this scoring ability, 26.5 points per 75 on plus 5 efficiency is monster scoring. And 
he created shots for teammates. But he also took a lot of bad shots. He took shots at the expense of moving the ball. Uh, it was just a kind of weird season. And it was the kind of season that you see a guy have in a losing environment where you say, oh, he scored all these points, so he's carrying his team. But it's not scalable. It's not a type of play that wins. You know, these other rookies that we're talking about were on, in some cases, championship-level teams. And Jordan was on a very poor team, uh, making somewhat questionable decisions on the offensive end. And while I think he was an all-star level player as an offensive player right out of the gate, one, you have the issue of how, how much that scales up on good teams. And two, he was not a, a good defensive player as a rookie. He wasn't a sieve. He wasn't a liability. But the, the 1988 Michael Jordan uh, defensive player of the year that you might be thinking of, he was far from that. He was somewhat lazy at times on defense. Uh, he didn't have the same stance or footwork that he would have. Uh, there aren't a huge number of 85 Bulls games available, but in the ones that I've seen, he does get taken off the dribble. He does have habits that aren't super ideal. And so when you add it all up, you get a player that, uh, sure, he's he's an all-star, but I'm not sure. Forget putting him at the at the number one spot. I'm pausing on him here. Because I'm not sure he cracks the number 10 spot. He could be number 10. I mean, I could cheat. Okay, I'm going to cheat. I'll cheat and say he's tied for 10th with Magic Johnson. I mean, technically, in my all-time player rankings, I have their seasons at exactly the same value. But I'll just cheat and say he's tied for 10th with Magic. Uh, as I said, if we if we look at the advanced number profiles on these guys. Jordan has the highest box plus minus over on basketball reference for a rookie of plus 8.2, but it's important to remember that Daniel's box plus minus can get Westbrooked. What that means is he found an interaction or the stat contains an interaction that basically has to do with creation, that has to do with the balance between how you score and carve up defenses and assists. And so if you have these big scoring numbers and solid assist numbers, nothing else you know comes into the equation. It just says, whoa, this guy must be awesome. And I think the reality is, yeah, there's a lot of value behind that. Uh, I've talked about that value quite a bit over the years. But the way the mathematically the way the regression worked basically allows that particular component to get out of hand that's why westbrook looks like the greatest player of all time by far in that stat and i think jordan has the same bump there now to be fair in my own version of box plus minus which again is more about goodness than value jordan has the highest rookie number ever he's plus 5 He's the only rookie ever to cross plus five. So the talent is there. But one thing the stats can't look at sometimes, one, they might be more partial to offensively inclined players, and I think that's the case with Jordan. And two, the stat cannot capture very easily. None of these stats are designed to capture how well a player scales, how well he fits, and whether the game can change and shift 
as you uh, put that player with better and better teammates or surround that player with better and better teammates. So that's all the fodder you need uh, to come back and say, wait a second, shouldn't Jordan be a top five rookie or blah, 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 blah. The, the top five rookies to me, and even six and seven, are really, you're getting toward MVP level players. So I think the question to ask yourself is when you look at 1985 Michael Jordan, not just in terms of his statistical profile, but the team around him, the Bulls, or when you watch the actual games, is there anything that you look at and say, yeah, that guy can be the best player in a championship team easily. That guy should have been in the MVP conversation. He finished sixth as a rookie. So you could argue that he was to a degree in the MVP conversation, but there's a difference between getting some consideration and, you know, Isaiah Thomasing the vote from a couple years ago and just being a juggernaut of a player. Number nine is a fun one. Number nine, I, I'm going to go with Akeem Olajuwon. And that's crazy because he and Jordan were rookies at the same time. And I think there's a sense that Jordan was better. But it kind of echoes the Luka JJJ phenomenon. Jordan, an offensive player, a big-time scorer, a highlight factory, uh, the aesthetics and everything. But Hakeem was a guy, 20.5 uh, 20, 20 points per 75, plus 2%. He already had some of the uh, offensive package. But just right out of the gate, very good defensive player. And that defensive impact, that ability... So the thing about being an impact defensive player as a rookie is it's a heck of a lot easier to slide into situations on good teams because you just keep playing good defense. If you're an impact player on offense and it's from something like scoring or having the ball in your hand all the time, how do you mesh with other players who are like that? That's much, much harder. So uh, again, this is this is very tough, but... Hakeem number nine, he he lags behind the other two guys in the advanced metrics, but as always is the case, sometimes those advanced metrics can miss on defensive players. And again, so it's uh, Jordan and Magic 10th, Hakeem 9th. The guy who's sort of the gatekeeper before we get to the, the real superstars, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal had a rookie season. He came into Orlando I think they went, they went from 21 to 41 or something like that, and he was a problem for teams as a rookie. Uh, his advanced number profile, very, very good, plus 3.1 in my box, plus minus, plus 3.7 uh, on basketball reference, plus 4.3 in PIPM. How do those numbers compare to, say, my number seven all-time rookie season, Oscar Robertson. Well, we don't have box plus minus or PIPM going back before, uh, you know, going back into the 60s. So with Oscar, he's plus 3.6 in my version of box plus minus. And there's only a handful of guys with a better number there. Uh, Jordan, Magic, Kareem, Bird, Robertson, Wilt. That's it. Among the prominent guys. Okay, moving along, now I think we start to get to guys who maybe one more gatekeeper, but number six, I would say, is Bill Russell. Missed some time early in his rookie season, but his defensive impact, what he was able to do for the Celtics on both ends of the court, uh, the easiest way, instead of getting into it, is just to go look at his profile 
uh, from my all-time player series. He was not completely the defender that he would be at his peak a couple years later. Still, a, a monster game changer as a rookie for the 1957 championship Celtics. Now, the, the, the top five for me is really a pantheon because it's a group of guys who came into the league from day one and were like legit MVP candidates. And number five is Tim Duncan, his rookie season, 1998, 22 points per 75, plus five efficiency, but he was one of the best defensive players in the league. I mean, he, he could have made the all-star team just on his defense alone. And again, this is not to say that his defense that year was peak Tim Duncan defense, but this was a four-year college player who came into a contender right away, paired up with David Robinson, and just seamlessly played either big spot. In fact, there were games where he played small forward sometime. Uh, He was slightly more agile and quicker when he was younger, and his advanced Stat profile reveals it plus 3.8 in my box, plus minus, plus four in PIPM, plus five and a half on basketball reference, one of the best uh, rookie BPMs of all time. And if anything, I think it's under under inflated. It's harder sometimes to capture defense with these stats. Number four, uh, this was a tough one for me. I could go either way at this point on almost any of these guys, but I think... The top four, really the Mount Rushmore of rookie seasons. Now, I have Kareem at number four. Uh, Again, we don't have some of the other stats going back in time, but in my box plus minus, he's plus 4.3. He averaged uh, 21 per 75, plus 4%. uh, Was a really good big man passer at the time. Created about four shots per 100 for his teammates based on estimations. Like He was just a a two-way game changer complete game changer for a a subpar Milwaukee team that very quickly became an all-time juggernaut. Number three is Larry Bird for me. Uh, Larry Bird, a a legit top three or four player as a rookie in 1980. And on the advanced profile, uh, plus 4.7 in my box plus minus, plus 5.3 on basketball reference, and plus 4.1 in Jacob's uh, PIPM. And that leaves only two. And again, very, very tough, but I lean David Robinson number two. He has the second highest box plus minus among my metric, uh, right behind Jordan at 4.9. On basketball reference, he's plus 6.5. And this is an interesting one because it opens up a philosophical debate that I want to punt on. But He's plus 6.9 in PIPM, and I think that's reflective of PIPM capturing how situationally he value, valuable he was for San Antonio as just a one-man wrecking crew on defense. And the Spurs, without him, didn't have great rim protection. They didn't have the awesome interior rebounding. They didn't have you know this force in the middle. But when he came in, and again... He's cheating a little bit because of his naval service. He was like 36 years old as a rookie, but he was an MVP impact player as a rookie. And that leaves number one. If you've been, if you've been following along, you know who number one is. It's a guy I'm 
somewhat infamous for uh, being lower on than most people, but I think Wilt Chamberlain had the best rookie season in NBA history. I think if you want to argue Bird or Kareem or even Robinson, I think those are great choices. But Wilt Chamberlain took MVP as a rookie. He didn't. He couldn't create or pass. He still had that volume scoring issue, but he didn't quite force the volume scoring as much. So I think he was a, a positive sort of uh, floor raiser on the scoring side of the ball. And defensively, he just did great work. It's hard sometimes to infer, but I'm always high on Wilt's D, and I thought all the, all the impact metrics point toward Wilt having big defensive impact right from day one. Box plus minus that I have goes back to the shot clock, and he was plus 4.1 as a rookie, one of the better rookie seasons of all time. So I'm sure that's going to lead to some controversial feedback, but it's a fun discussion. It's a fun discussion because oftentimes we view rookies in different lenses. We view them from different philosophical perspectives. How good is this guy going to be when he's older? Um, you know, what kind of flair did he have? Even the rookie of the year sometimes feels like you want to give it to a guy who's growing in a certain direction versus that like Brevin Knight season. So to recap the list, and man, as always, ranking these things very challenging. You could you could move some of these guys up or down a couple slots, and I wouldn't bat an eyelash. Uh, Jordan and Magic tied for tenth. Hakeem ninth. Shaq eighth. Oscar seventh. Bill Russell sixth. And then the top five: Duncan, Kareem, Bird, Robinson, and Will Chamberlain. Best rookie seasons. In NBA history. There it is. A lot to chew on. Hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, this podcast and basically any of the content I put out these days is made possible by my patrons. Uh, you can support the show at patreon.com slash thinkingbasketball. Uh, very close to adding live stats for the season uh, based on all these proprietary metrics, including uh, this box plus minus that I referenced in the show. So head on over there and support. Uh, As always, I hope you guys are having a great day, and I will talk to you in the next episode.